and gents, welcome to Cultivate and Keep podcast. Yo, yo. We're back, Corey. We're back. Yes. It's been a while. I feel rusty, but... I know. I feel pretty rusty, too. Yeah. It's it's literally been um, like a full month or even longer since we, since we recorded together. Recorded, yeah. 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 Well, we've had a lot going on the last month. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were in Europe. I was in Europe. S- there was some overlap, a couple days, but yeah. we were in different places, mm-hmm. right? Um but how was your trip? It was good. Um, we were gone for three weeks, so it was um, a lot of time. It was super long. Yeah, uh, I don't think we would go that long again, just because. Um, well, I think part of it was timing as well. Um, we were able to move into our house uh, about two weeks or sorry, two days before we left for our trip, and so I think that's part of why we like felt homesick. But um, yeah, like we got to move in, like basically to get all of our stuff into the house, and then we left for this long trip. Um, that was a ton of fun, but like I said, I think timing made it feel like it just felt like a long time, you know. Like near yeah. the end, we were like totally ready to come home. Um, but we had a lot of fun. We went to uh, five different countries. We went to um, Paris, and then London, Berlin, Barcelona, and then we drove uh, to, uh, to Madrid. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you you guys went on four different flights. Three different flights so th- in Europe. Yeah, so we flew to Europe, obviously. And then yeah. we did three flights between countries. Then we took a train to one country. Damn. And then we drove from uh, Barcelona to, to uh, Madrid. Madrid. Yeah, because it's well, closer, right? Yeah, it's like a five-hour drive, but it was like down the coast and stuff. So uh, it's kind of like um, going to Big Bear. Really? Or it's not Big Bear. I'm um, sorry, Big Sur. Big Sur. That's what yeah. it felt like? Yeah, it was cool. That's it was really fun. cool. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite city? Well, let's start with the least favorite. Okay. Uh, 10 out of 10, do not recommend Berlin. Really? Yep. <laughs> I, was, I, I didn't like it. I don't know why. Uh, why do you know why? It was, um, in my, my opinion, from what, like, at least compared to other places we went, it was pretty run down and kind of dirty and um, like not the nicest place. Uh, like like downtown Berlin was was clean and, and uh, pretty modern, but like most other places were, were just like, yeah, kind of dirty, trashy, um, like a lot of trash around and yeah. just not nice, you know? Also, uh, the first night there, Connie's phone got stolen. Uh, so that's part of what I think, like, you know, give dampened. you a sour taste. Yeah, and it's like our first night, so we get we get there. You know, you know how it goes. Like you're tired, it's kind of late. We're at dinner, and then her phone got stolen. So, like right off the bat, we were like, oh, we don't like this place. It was a homeless guy who stole it, right? Yeah, this guy came into this restaurant. We were in this ramen place. Um, so it was like a really small little restaurant. And we're sitting at like this counter and uh, like they make the food right there in front of you. So we're at like this little counter and our backs to the, do- to the door and this like big guy comes in and he looked homeless and he walked in like right, right to us. And I had Connie's phone like on the left side of where I was kind of like right where I was sitting on the table. And uh, he had this paper that he held like right in front of uh, mine and Connie's faces. And he was like just pointing to it kind of like saying like, what does it say? I like, greeted to us, whatever, but he was speaking in German. And so, we didn't understand him. We didn't like, we couldn't read the paper. Um, and he stood there for like an awkward amount of time, probably like 45 seconds or so. And like people in the restaurant, like looking around, like, it was kind of weird. And we were like, sorry, sir. Like don't understand you. Like we don't speak, um, we don't speak German. And he's like stood there and we're like, okay. And so he finally like walked away. And then about 15 minutes later when it was time to leave, um, Connor was like, Hey, can I see my phone? I was like, yeah. And I looked over and it was gone. And I instantly <sighs> knew like, Oh, like, when he held the paper in front of us, he must've like snatched it. Um, and so like, he probably has done that like a hundred times. Yeah. And so like the next day or two days later, we were like thinking of renting a car. So we like walked into this like rental car place and, um, we just like, I'm not sure how, but that came up. So we were like telling the lady like what happened 
and she was telling us that apparently like that's like a new trend going around to where these these guys will straight up like go into like restaurants or, or storefronts even like a rental car place and they'll uh, like they'll distract you and then they'll like reach over the counter and grab like the employee's phone and like take off and it's like super Jeez. common and so uh that was like kind of crazy to hear but also made us feel a little bit like better like at least like that happens to local people it sounds like you know but You're not the only dingus <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but i mean that sucked and it took like you yeah. know to like cancel everything and like we were on the phone for like three or four hours that night um and it was on valentine's day too God. so <sighs> double yeah, whammy dude double whammy so that stinks um but our favorite place oh man i don't know um London was the place I felt like I could live. Like that was probably the overall best experience. Um, really clean, really just a kind of like a neat place. People are a lot, are awesome. Uh, the food was not that great. I didn't love the food, but um, I, I think overall I liked London the most. And then Barcelona was really, really cool. Hmm. Um, like super just I've kind of like, things. like old school feeling, uh, really like narrow alleyways with like tons of cool like restaurants, like random shops, like kind of hidden away, like just really cool, um, like really fun culture. Um, a lot of like cool like courtyard areas with, with like restaurants and stuff and so that was really cool as well um, and then Paris was also cool so yeah yeah I mean Paris is just huge and they super big yeah. Apple Tower and yeah yeah that's really cool Glad yeah. to be, and but you got to come back to your new home essentially yeah. we're in our new office right now that's right yeah it's awesome super happy yeah second time recording in the new office we'll have yes Frank Berry next week coming out so yeah. look forward to that but uh yeah, it, it's really fun already. I feel like it's going to be cool once we get the furniture in here, but mm-hmm. also probably feels good just to have this all wrapped Darn. up since... Yeah, it was a long process. We started in October Dude. and um, did a pretty extensive remodel and like a lot of stuff. And um, it just takes a while. I learned a lot. Um, we, you know, we did everything the right way. We got permits for everything because we, you know, we did some additions to the house and did some stuff to it. And so like that process with like the city and all that takes a while. And um, yeah, so it was a fun process, but it just took a while and... Um, but we learned a ton and uh, definitely want to in the future do some more of this. And, and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's cool. So a lot of good learning, some mm-hmm. hard way, some yeah. the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, overall, it turned out great and everything worked. And yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. How about you? Dude, also a very eventful February. Basically, uh, right after you left to Europe, um, a few things happened before we even went to Europe. So you left on the 5th, the 4th? The 5th, yeah. Which was Connie's February birthday, 5th, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was like the next day I took um, our car in. We have a 2001 Camry to get smogged. Uh, and it's an older car. Obviously, it's 19 years old now. Um, and it failed, which was a bummer. <laughs> but I didn't th- really think it was a big deal. The guy was like, you know, we'll give you a free one. Um, you know, if you, once you get things fixed, you can just come back in. We won't charge you again. Um, and he's like, oh, but also uh, there's like this new program. It's sort of newer where like the government will give you a thousand bucks um if you're uh if you want to retire your car to the state um because your car is eligible it's an older car so i was like okay interesting i'll keep that in mind but we like our car it's a good car it's you know it's an old one it's cheap you know it gets the job done so wasn't really thinking anything of it and then took it to go get repaired and basically got the bad news that it was gonna be like three thousand dollars to repair it which was the car is only worth like a thousand dollars anyways. <laughs> so it was basically like, this really isn't worth it. And just in December, we probably put in like 1500 bucks. So we're like, Oh my gosh, this car is getting expensive quick and it's just going to be more, you know, later on. Um, they needed like a new catalytic converter, radiator, spark plugs, whatever. Anyways, 
And the thing was that um, we were leaving to Europe on the 19th and her registration, uh, our registration was due on the 18th. So we could either go find a new car before we left or we could come home and not have a car and have to go bus around or go with our parents or something and then find a car that we liked. Uh, so we did some research, looked around. We were actually planning on getting a new car in May. Uh, so we were just basically accelerated that whole process and thinking behind it. Um, but ended up finding a really nice car that we felt was a really good deal. And it was pretty much my dream car. <laughs> for, <laughs> We've for been my, talking about that for a yeah, long time. Yeah, forever. Like since I was in high school, like this was like the car that I wanted. I didn't, we, I wasn't really looking for it. We were actually looking across a whole bunch of other cars and then I just kind of like stumbled upon it and I was just like, whoa, this is like a good deal. So yeah, uh, so how'd you afford a G-Wagon? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a Tesla, actually. <laughs> we actually, we looked at a Tesla. We, you did? Well, I shouldn't say we looked at it. We considered it. We were going to do a test drive, and then we both agreed. Because basically what we were going to do was, since we both work from home, and we both have some pretty flexible schedules, we were thinking like, well, if we could rent out the Tesla three to four times a month, it would basically work out to be the same as what we'd be paying for uh, a regular car, you know, quote unquote regular car. Um, but we just, at the end of the day, we were like, you know, this isn't, yeah. we don't know what's going to change in a year. Uh, we don't really want to have to deal with that right now. So maybe later, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But uh, ended up doing getting a Lexus IS200T, which Ooh. I'm super stoked about. T's for turbo, so it's a fast car. But it was, dude, seriously, I mean, the thing we were really looking for was like, um, we want we didn't want like another old car that was gonna have like you know hundred thousand miles and just have a bunch of issues or poop out in the next couple of years, uh, so we decided to get something slightly newer, slightly nicer, twenty seventeen. So we're super happy about it. Um, and then at the same time, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll go through like the I mean it's a good thing it was kind of a bummer because we didn't end up we didn't plan on getting a new car. Uh, I had a accident playing basketball back in May of last year that uh, required some stitches in my eye. And I made the boneheaded mistake of going back to the emergency room to get them removed because I don't have like a primary care doctor. I've literally been to the doctor like once before that for anything, never broken the bone, never had any major sicknesses or anything. So I just didn't know. Um, and then I got a big bill in the mail, which was a bummer. And then I started working with a company to try to negotiate it down. Anyways, through the financing process of the car, found out that it had been sent to collections <laughs> and was, really negatively affecting my credit. Uh, and the only way to get it off of my credit and to just like remove it and just be done with it was to pay for it in full. So I ended up having to drop two grand just out of the blue, just to Jeez. pay it off. And, um, I still can't even believe like $2,000 literally to remove stitches from my eye. <laughs> I will never be making that mistake yeah. ever again. So that was really tough. And that was right before we left. It was a whole big thing. It was like, Okay, how are we gonna eat in Italy now? <laughs> it was fine. Like we, um, thankfully, we didn't have any other debt. Like now we have a car payment, but didn't have any other debt. Had a healthy amount of savings and checking, and so um, it wasn't like anything life changing. Uh, but, but then just like a bummer. You know? Just just a bummer. Just to see two grand just washed away. I've been nothing. thinking about that recently. Like for like budgeting for the year and kind of like thinking out like plans for money. Like it's crazy how many like unexpected things like that just like hit you yeah um, dude. i don't think we've had a ton with our house we had like a good amount of stuff but like just crazy like how many small things like you don't account for that 
can come, you know? Yeah. Which so is, again, the reason for like a savings and all that, but uh-huh. just, it's like unfortunate, you know? So what's good about this whole process is, you know, through our whole finance thing and, um, or sorry, through our personal finance podcast and like all, all the work we've been doing on that. Basically what I did was I had like our main bank account and which is like our checking account through simple. And then they have what they call like savings goals where basically you can like pull money out and like set it aside. Um, and it doesn't like show in your regular balance. And then we have our savings account and our investments account and, and, and whatever. And the amount that I had pulled into our savings goal just to have for emergencies was $2,000. Oh, cool. Um, so basically it didn't really, it didn't look like it made a, yeah. made a difference in our checking account because the number didn't change but I had like stored it away. Mm-hmm. So now that's just gone. <laughs> we need to like restart it, restart it for my next boneheaded mistake um, <laughs> next year, this year. Uh, but it was good cause we had the money there. And so yeah. I'm kind of applauding myself a little bit for, yeah. it, it feels like it was worth it. Like, okay, this is a good system. This is why we do things this way. And yeah. it doesn't have to look, be life changing, but went to Europe. Everything was good. Um, had an amazing time in Italy. Um, just managed to escape <laughs> from the coronavirus there. Yeah. It's literally on lockdown uh, so as crazy. of on this episode. So uh, we, we got it just in time, but really loved Rome, like a crazy amount of history and a really cool city. Um, really loved Florence too. That was our favorite by far. Like the Duomo, like the big cathedral in the center of the city is like, I mean, it's huge and it's just beautiful. And uh, we had a really nice hotel, which we got for super cheap. Um, dude, oh, it was our nicest hotel. Like we paid, uh, we actually paid for a more expensive, like triple as expensive in Venice for our anniversary. And it was like half as nice. Hmm. And, um, the, it was like really modern. It's really nice, super close to the Duomo or walking distance in a really cool area. It's all, you know, cobblestone in between buildings. It was really cool. It's cool. Um, Venice was okay. Kind of dirty. Uh, the main square was really cool. Did the gondola ride. <laughs> Dude, our, our our gondolier, the guy who like pushes you around in the gondola. I figured, yeah. You know how like in the movies, um, they're like singing and they're like really mm-hmm. romantic old men. Uh, he's like this. He was like this younger, kind of stocky guy. Dude, he was the most obnoxious person I've ever met in my <laughs> entire life. Every, okay, so obviously it's a small city, and you pass by a lot of other people in gondola rides. He would be yelling and shouting at the other gondoliers trying to talk to them and make jokes like every single person that passed by. And That's there was like so 20 funny. that we passed the entire time. Dude, all we heard was like, I can't do the Italian accent, but it was just like <laughs> literally yelling. That's super funny. So it wasn't very romantic. <laughs> Probably wouldn't do a gondola ride again. Um, and then Milan, uh, that was kind of like the area that was most affected by the virus. Mm-hmm. And Monique was like kind of going through a little cold, not coronavirus at the time. Mm-hmm. So we ended up only spending <laughs> like an hour in Milan. Um, and it was pretty cool. It was like kind of, kind of similar, like a little bit like not ghetto, but a little bit dirty outside of the city. The main square was really beautiful. Uh, Milano Duomo was beautiful. Um, but also glad to be home now. Yep. And we spent nine days in total. Uh, but it was definitely exhausting. We took, oh dude, we took trains through the whole country, which was really fun. But we also missed one of our trains. <laughs> you told me the story. I can picture you and Monique oh, just like, man. Ah, like running. We totally underestimated. It was my fault on how long it was going to take to get back to the train terminal from a hotel. Because it only took like 20 minutes to get to our hotel. But then 
we were like, we had to run to like a next stop and they were going to make it right there on time. And then we ran up to the train as it was leaving and we mm. missed it. So <laughs> had to buy a new train ticket, which That's sucked, funny. but it was good. It was a very eventful February, but now here we are. New car, new home, no new dogs. No new dogs. Yeah, no kids still. No kids, as far as I know. As far as I know. Did you read any books on your trip? I did. Yeah, actually, um, I read two books, and I got halfway through three books. Nice. Um, So I read, actually, um, yeah, I started another one. But I really liked the books that I, that I was going through. It was it felt good to just sit down on the train, dude. The train is so cool, mm-hmm. and it's just like Trains two hours, sick, yeah. peaceful. You just read, look out. It was mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, yeah. I read two books as well. Um, didn't I don't think I read at all. I think I read one day, like while um, like while like in like a city, but all the reading was on planes or trains. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot on the on the plane too. On the way home, we had a twelve hour flight home, and I did not want to sleep because I wanted to adjust easily easily the time difference um and so i read like 70 percent of actually i finally read extreme ownership i haven't read it yet oh really on my list i I read like a book summary like a year ago but um i loved that book i Mm. think i I didn't think i would but i really 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 liked it it was so good okay i couldn't put it down it was like i read it for like five hours straight and finished it i finally read the one thing I loved Whoa, it. Oh yes, yeah. That's on my really reread good. list for this year. I really want to read it again. Yeah, Super I was. Good. I was very impressed. Really simple, but it's like, oh, like mm-hmm. good. I, r- I really, in fact, I mean, we'll have to do a book review on it. But I really resonated with the, uh, what does he call it? Like the enemies of the one thing, or like the temptations or the blockers or something like that. But uh, like one of them was like, I just need to be more disciplined, or I just need more time. Mm-hmm. And it was like all these like things that we tell ourselves that we think is going to like get us to what we want to get to, to mm-hmm. do. And I was just like, Oh dang it. That's so true. Like, <laughs> I think all the time, like if only I structured my time differently, you are, I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, you're just doing too much. Yeah. Or like you just need to focus more. Yeah. I liked it because like a lot of books like that, that I've read, um, not super easy to implement, but the one thing is, um, I felt like just super practical and like anyone can do it. And it's so mm-hmm. simple that, um, it's like one of those books you can read and like literally like the same day start doing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like it. And, exactly. it. and it works like it's worked for me and yeah. That's fine. I will have to, we'll have to talk about how you've implemented it because I've been wanting to do something similar. Um, but today's topic, we figured we'd, Oh yes. You had a thought in Italy or in, uh, where, where did you have the thought? This was in Berlin. Berlin. So, um, if you don't know this about me, I think, you know, Corey, uh, I've always had this weird fascination, which it sounds weird to say that, but I've been really interested in, um, like the whole like Holocaust and, uh, like the whole movement, everything that happened. I don't know why from a young age, like I've just been really fascinated by everything that happened, like the history of all that. And so when I was younger, um, like I think I started reading books probably in like sixth grade, seventh grade. Um, God, you were the weirdest kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I started reading books about like concentration camps and like life accounts of uh, survivors and all that. And uh, I like loved it. And if you knew me when I was younger, like you know, I would always talk about it. I thought it was so interesting. And so the reason why we went to Berlin was to visit a concentration camp. <laughs> really? We almost went to Poland to visit um, uh, Austria. Yeah. I really wanted to go. It's but uh, we had like, like Berlin, like I wanted to see no matter what, but like in Poland, like I had nothing I really wanted to see. And so Dude. the only reason would have been that camp and it was pretty out of the way. So uh, Gdansk, where we were in Poland, has like the famous World War II 
uh, museum. It's like uh-huh. world around. <laughs> Next trip. Do it. I we really liked Gdansk. Right. Um, anyway, so the um, like when the concentration camp started, when Hitler started kind of putting those into place, at first they would use like old abandoned buildings. They would use um, like any kind of old factory they had or just any like vacant like lot or building they would like um, turn into like a makeshift uh, concentration camp. But the first camp they ever built with like the purpose of being a concentration camp was right outside of Berlin. Uh, it was, it's like a, like an hour and a half like train ride. And so that's the one we went to. I f- I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a weird name, but, um, yeah, so Especially we German German's hard. Yeah. To, it's it's yeah. weird. Um, and so we, at first we're going to like just go and like do like a self guided tour where you like walk around when then we decided to do like a little group thing with like a, a guide um and dude i loved it it was super fascinating like i learned a ton but kind of how it works is like you meet in like like a local area in berlin and then like a whole group of people uh side note the people in our group were like super annoying like (laughs) a bunch of weirdos man um you think a bunch of like random people traveling right and so it was that was really interesting but um yeah so you meet in this local area then you like take the main train to the town right outside of berlin but about an hour and a half away Oh, like kind of where the camp was at. And it's interesting because like the route they take you is the exact same route they used to take uh, people that were going to the camp. Oh, wow. um, and so, and so I know I didn't, I, I don't know why I didn't know this, but it was, I, I knew that it was more than just Jews in these camps, but like even yeah. it was like, it was Jews. It was mentally disabled people, mm-hmm. um, colored people. It was uh, political figures. Like I didn't yeah. know that. I, I thought it was mainly like disabled and, and Jews, but yeah, it's like a ton of different like um, uh, people. And so anyway, a lot of gypsies too. Yeah. Um, so you, you take this train and you get, you go to the town again, the same route that used to ship people out on. And so you get there and once you get the train takes you to this little town of probably like maybe 10,000 people, a small little town, like one little strip of like restaurants, and like shops, whatever. And, uh, they, they take you off. And back in the day when they would do this, they would make everyone going to the camp, uh, walk from the train station all the way to the camp, which is right outside of the small town. And so you'd have to, they would have to walk through the town. And so everyone that lived there would see people. And the, the guy was telling us that like, uh, it was very common for like residents to like, for like little kids to come like throw rocks at people, at the people to like throw trash at them, to spit on them. Like it wow. was like this, it basically what he explained was, uh, the way that like the concentration camps like their purpose that was communicated to the people was that it was for like bad evil people essentially and so people that lived there were like bought in and thought like yeah this is like a good thing we're doing you know and when we learned about it we obviously know like it it wasn't but back then people didn't understand the difference and so propaganda yeah and so they take you there and then um they had these they built these this this is super interesting so they built these homes for the for the guards that were stationed at the camp they built them uh <laughs> they built a homes for them to stay in and now people live in those in those houses which i think is super Jeez. weird because it's literally like here's the camp here's like the outer perimeter like brick wall and then like 20 feet down it's like the first house and people live in those houses now wow. and so it's, i i don't it's just super weird right another thing they told us was uh, people that live there now like a lot of them um like either aren't educated or like don't believed what the camp was actually used for and so mm-hmm. he was telling us a story how he said like a few weeks ago before we went he was doing like another guide uh with a group of people and as he was like walking by these homes kind of explained the history of resident from one of the windows like open the window like in german like basically yelling out like don't believe this guy he's telling you lies like this is not what you think it is like all this stuff and so that was like really interesting as well how people like just hmm. don't believe or understand like what actually happened 
Um, so we're in a camp, and uh, there's a reason why I'm telling this story. Um, so we're in a camp, and uh, <laughs> I hope so. they were just telling. Uh, I'm just going on and on. I'm just uh, they, um, you know, we're, we're learning about all the history and kind of all the stuff. And he, he takes us by this. Um, there's like this area where they called it no man's land, but there was like kind of the area where they took roll call every morning. And there's like this big large tower with, with this uh, like mounted machine gun and like this big spotlight. And so every morning they'd have like roll call right there. And when you came to roll call, uh, you had to have your full uniform on if you were a prisoner. So you had to have like your hat and you know, your shoes and your whatever you had. Um, if you showed up to roll call without, if you're like missing a hat, if you're missing like your, your coat, whatever it was, they would shoot you. It was like, Jeez. they would, th- they, they thought it was reason to like someone was trying to escape or they were like out of you know rebellion. And so off to the side of the roll call area, there's this place called no man's land, which basically like there's like this walkway and then there's about 10 feet from the walkway to an electric fence. And uh, basically if you were like a a prisoner and if you were caught walking in that no man's land area, the, the, the guard on the machine gun would, would gun you down because they would think you're making an escape. And so oftentimes guards uh, if like a prisoner was walking by, they would pull off the prisoner's hat and throw it in no, in no man's land to like play a game basically. And they would bet, they would bet money to see, can the prisoner grab his hat in time to get back before the guy can gun him down? Or he, they also told stories of like, there were prisoners who died because they'd be walking, like the wind would blow their hat off and it would go in that area. Just get shot. And then they would try to go grab it and get shot. Just like crazy stuff like that, that I learned. Jeez. Um, so at the same time, when he showed us that area, he told the story. Um, so while this was all going on, while this, this first camp was just built, I think this was like 1942, he said, um, but Joseph Stalin's son was actually captured, uh, by the German forces during World War II. And Stalin was like a Soviet, uh, the Soviet Union. He was one of their leaders, one of their generals. Um, and at the same time that his son was captured by Hitler's forces, uh, Stalin's son, um, I'm sorry, uh, the, uh, the German forces also captured one of uh, Stalin's like um, sorry I'm confusing this the Germans captured Stalin's son yes and then Stalin captured one of Hitler's like top uh, generals so basically uh, Stalin has like an important military figure that that belongs to the Germans and then the Germans have uh, Stalin's son and so when this all happened Hitler approached Stalin and said hey I think we should make a trade why don't uh, you guys give us back um, our general and then we'll give you back your son and when he said this, Stalin responded, and I thought this was super fascinating. He said, why would I trade away a general just to get back a normal soldier? And uh, I thought that was super, like, fascinating. Like, he, this is his son that is in a concentration camp, which was known to be, like, super brutal and, and, like, a terrible place to be. And his son is there, and here is Hitler, the head of the Germans, who is offering, like, a trade. Hey, I'll give you back your son, and you give us our general. And he and that was his response. So why would I trade away a general just to get back a soldier? So he let his son stay in the camp, and eventually his son, uh, I guess his son, like got news of this, and he ended up committing suicide. He he threw himself on that electric fence and killed himself. Wow. He probably knew that bad things were coming. Yeah, and so I don't know. It just got me thinking, like, kind of. I think a lot of us often like we make these like disproportionate trades in our lives. Like we, you know, whether it, whether it's something that we want or whatever, we like have an opportunity to make a trade that doesn't make sense. We probably shouldn't do that. It's not a fair trade, yet we still do it, right? And so, I don't know, it kind of got me thinking. I thought it'd be a cool thing to talk about and, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, yeah, this whole idea of like disproportionate trades and like there's all sorts of trade-offs in life mm-hmm. of like uh, opportunity cost and like if you want one thing, you can't necessarily have the other. Um, 
That's pretty nice. I mean, I don't know about like, what are the, some of the practical examples you think of in life yeah. where it's like something really disproportionate or maybe even something we don't realize is, but yeah, I think uh, the first one that came to my mind is like trading time. Right. So, um, I mean, I think of like trading time for money at a job. I think of, um, that's probably the most common one that like we don't, um, like naturally we don't see an issue with, like we see that as like a normal thing cause it is. Um, but yeah, trading time for money, I think, um, like using our time for just silly things, like whether it's uh, like being being lazy or out of playing video games all day or just stuff that has like no return to it. Um, you think of like trading your money for something. So like, you know, buying something that has like no worth or no value or just like a poor use of money, like that kind of trade that you... Collectibles. You know, collectibles. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe you, you spent or you saved a long time and you took, it took you a long time to save this money and you bought something that... Like, what? why would you buy that, you know? Yeah. Just a few examples, I mean. Yeah, I feel like one of the big ones I think about is, unfortunately, college, just because it's gotten so expensive nowadays, and, like, people trade away. It, it's it's one of those things where, like, maybe you don't realize, like, the true cost of it until afterwards. You trade away four or five years of your life at a college, and you have fun, you get a great education, and then you realize the true cost of it afterwards is, you know, 50, 60, a hundred thousand dollars, which is like maybe impossible to repay, uh, in the time that you're supposed to, you know, like you don't have a good job yet, or maybe you end up switching careers or you don't end up using your, your degree in the same way. You have a couple of internships you need to do. Um, and that can hurt, you know I mean? I know a couple of people personally who like their, uh, their education is like their, you know their student loans are the second biggest yeah. part of their expenses yeah. you know second it's to got rent. like this grip hold on them now right and then you don't realize like oh wow I, I don't i don't know if i really realize the true cost of going to college and getting it like not that it's bad again but like could i have spent less in seminary like what did you I? get in return for that like all this money all exactly. this time like what like what came out of that yeah i i feel super blessed that somehow i managed to escape debt free and got lots of different scholarships and my mom paid for the last like $2,000 that was due at the end of uh, each year. Um, but I mean, that's been a huge blessing for me. And like, I feel like that's one of those things It can even be like a disproportionate, like positive return, you know, or like, th- I feel like there's also those things in life where you make even a small investment and then later on it really pays dividends where you're just like, I can't believe this one mm-hmm. thing I did. It could even just be like an early job or some sort of certification or like some sort of, um, you know, business that you start on the side that ends up blowing up later on. And you're just like, well, mm-hmm. like <laughs> can't yeah. imagine my life without that thing now. Yeah. Also was thinking, and I want to ask you, uh, like if, if something comes to mind, what is like the best trade you feel like you've made like in your, in your life, maybe probably more your, your adult years. And it can be like a practical one, like money for something. Right. But like what's a trade you've made that like for sure paid off and you're super happy with. Hmm. I think one of the trade-offs I made was um, like not, uh, I don't know, I can't describe like what it was that I traded, but I think in college, I mean, I chose to work one, sometimes two jobs at the same time um, and like just so that I would be able to support myself and so I didn't, I, I basically stayed at home also. Uh, I, I went to a two-year, you know, junior college before I went to a private college beforehand, um, as opposed to like university. Um, and I think that's paid off hugely for me, you know, like it, I think it, 
was a blessing in disguise. Cause I don't think I fully even realized again what I was doing. I just figured it was the better thing to do and it was kind of, um, it seemed more appealing, but I could have, you know, gone out of state or I could have gone to a private college elsewhere where it didn't have as much scholarships. I could have lived on campus. I could have not worked while I was in college and then come out and again, been in that same situation. Like you just have tons and tons of student loans to repay. But, um, because I grinded it out and because I went to college and kind of finagled my way into not having to pay that much for my tuition, I feel like that's been a great trade-off. Like I will take a miserable four years in college for being debt-free and being a much better financial situation now any day. I feel like that's just, yeah, that's probably my biggest trade-off I've made. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think mine would be similar. Um, well, also, I was thinking this would be a good question to ask in like 20 years. Oh, like what's changed? Yeah. But for me, it would be similar. Um, probably, I would say like the time that I, how I use my like college years. Because when I graduated high school, um, a lot of friends went away to college. A lot of friends, you know, had like a fun, just four years of whatever it was, was you know, doing, doing uh, traveling or being in college. Um, and I wanted that, but decided to not do that. Instead, I stayed at local and went to school uh, online while I worked full time. And like looking back at it, like in the moment, it really was not fun and sucked. And a lot of early mornings and late nights studying and just wasn't fun. Uh, but like the fruit that has come from that has been so good. Like because of that, we're able to have our business now and in this home. And so like I'm super, super happy with like that trade off. Um, but also I think one point to like pull out of that is like, uh, so I think, uh, again, we've talked about this, but I think a lot of times like the harder things in life to choose. Like if you have a choice between like an easy or a hard thing, like the hard thing most of the time is probably going to yield mm. the you know, the positive good result later on down the road. Yeah. And the fun and appealing thing is often going to be like immediate right away, but like later on you're going to pay for it in some way. And, um, I don't know, that's like a good reminder kind of like thinking through this idea of like, what are you trading for? This is like a good thing to kind of think through. I also like this idea because like if you're listening to this, this is a super easy one that we don't really have to like spend a lot of time on or expand on, but you can just kind of think for yourself, like what are the trades that you have made or that you are making in your life? And it's an easy one to kind of just think through that a little bit and it can be like a good, like thought provoking experiment. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things like that. I mean, uh, like one of the things I always try to grow through my head is like life is not fair and like everything isn't equal. You know, like I think a lot of times we just look at things as apples to apples of like one college to another, one job to another, one person to another, but there really are these outsized returns. There's these things that give you like this disproportionate trade that can be for better or, or for worse, you know, like making a decision, um, early on in your life for, uh, it could even be small things like who you're dating or a job that you take or a job that you don't take that it's like this waterfall effect, you know, of like later down mm-hmm. the stream, you end up being at a completely different place than you would have been before. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the future. Like what are the like small things I can do now that will have like these big things mm-hmm. later on? I was actually, there's this guy on, on Twitter if I'm following, um, it's always Twitter. <laughs> it's always Twitter. So I know uh, you met you like got connected to Frank Barry, right? I Who, did through Twitter. Yeah, through Twitter and through LinkedIn. Yeah, so like we said earlier, that's an episode coming out soon. Um, but yeah, you'll see the title is Frank Barry, and you'll see it. But yeah. l- listen to it; it's gonna be next good. week. Um, 
he was talking about how with the coronavirus and with all the scares, like economically, you know, we have like the, uh, the kind of ec- not economic downturn, but you have the stock market losing some value. We have kind of some shaky policies. We have the election coming up and just people are kind of like, are we entering into a recession? Are we, you know, should we be preparing for something right now? And he was saying how his investment strategy is um, to like lock himself in long term and then to invest in small things over time that have that could have big results. So he's like, he's like, actually, I pulled all my money out of stocks and bonds because I felt like the um, the return I could get positively of like appreciation and, and dividends didn't outweigh the risk of losing half of the value in a stock market crash, for example. So I just pulled it out. And he said, now I invest more of my money um, and time into business ideas. And like, he built this cool app. He wrote this book. Um, he's working on a couple other things. Uh, but he's like, all these things, I'm making these really small investments, but they could end up yielding me tons and tons later on and for a long time. So I think that's a really cool thing to think about. It's like, what do you need to like, de-risk yourself from and like what should you be doing now that can have really big results yeah also like spreading out risk and like spreading out like possible return yeah you know rather than all like in one thing um spreading stuff out mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's a good thought i think i'll have to ponder on that for a while longer mm-hmm. um all right well you want to read that verse to close us out Corey? verse take us home verse 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 oh yeah, yeah yeah yep so it's mark 8 uh 36 through 37 it says for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it pretty much perfectly sums it up. It's like, know what you're trading for. What are the trade-offs? Mm. Good. Um, all right. Also exciting new news. We have finally launched our merch line. That's which right. sounds odd to say. I know, right? Official Cultivate and yeah. Keep merch. I'm looking at right now. I just pull up the page. It'll be live uh, when you look at this, but just find the link in the um, in the show notes of whatever podcast player you're looking at. It's just cultivateandkeep.com slash merch. Bill see that we have, let's see, right now we have 11 products as of this recording. We've got all sorts of different colors of t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. We've got a beanie, snapback, a vintage cotton twill cap. Dude, we've got a backpack, a mug. You've even got stickers for your laptop or for your mug or for your, um, Whoa. what do you call it? Your, uh, dang it, your water bottle? Yeah, thermos? Like, uh, Hydro Flask. Hydro Flask. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, super cool. I, f- I mean, it was a little bit easier than I thought, to be honest. I feel a little bit dumb for like procrastinating. Super simple. I mean, our page looks kind of ugly, to be honest, but it's here. It works. Get your merch. If you want a t shirt, uh, let us know. We've, basically price things to make like no profit at all or just enough profit to like uh, pay for the the software and, and the subscription stuff here. So it's really just for you. Think about it as taking a piece of Cultivate and Keep home with you. Cool. Well, on that note, we'll see you in the next one. Right, bye.